Today's passage immediately follows the parables from last week. Jesus has been teaching to the crowd all day. Evening comes. He's exhausted. And he suggests that they go across the sea. Jesus gets in the boat and collapses from fatigue. Using a modern-day expression, Jesus has been on all day. He has been fully present with each person he has encountered. He has pondered which miracle and which parables to teach that will meet the people where they are. He is tired and just wants to rest as they cross the sea. If we didn't already know the story, this would appear that Jesus and the disciples are setting out on an ordinary trip across the sea to get away from the crowd. But we know this is no ordinary story. While Jesus is sound asleep, a great windstorm suddenly emerges. Huge waves are crashing into the boat and filling it with water. The disciples, who are mostly seasoned fishermen, are frantically holding on for dear life. They know how best to bail water from a boat and maneuver the sails to keep from capsizing. But they also know to respect the wind and the rain and the sea. As a young teenager, I found myself on a jet ski in the middle of a lake as a storm emerged over the hill behind our lake house, which prevented any of those on shore from seeing its approach. Of course, that is the exact moment that the jet ski decides to break down. And my friend and I could see our cabin. We were still terrified of being stranded on the lake as the storm approached. And my storm experience on the water happened in the daylight, within the sight of my family. But as we learned from our Lesbos mission trip team a few years ago, refugees fleeing from Turkey to Greece do not have the confidence of family coming to rescue them when the deadly storms emerge in the middle of the Aegean Sea. Many of these refugee journeys occur in the darkness of the night, much like the disciples find themselves in today's story. Now remember, it is Jesus who suggested that they cross the sea. The disciples know Jesus is tired, so they have let him sleep as long as they can, but they just can't wait any longer. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It's said that a good teacher answers a question with another question. So we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus doesn't simply answer their question. Instead of addressing the disciples upon awakening, Jesus rebukes the wind and addresses the sea with only three words. Peace, be still. The wind immediately ceases upon Jesus' command, and there is a dead calm. Then, out of this great calm, Jesus, the great teacher, responds to the disciples' question 
with his own questions. Those of us who have raised children in this time of text messaging have probably explained to them how a verbal dialogue, preferably one face-to-face, -face, is the best means of communication for an important conversation. Because you can hear the person's tone of voice and we can see their body language. Today's story is a conversation I wish I could have witnessed firsthand to know how Jesus delivered these questions. It's, it's easy to read this passage and hear Jesus' questions like this. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And this tone implies Jesus is frustrated with his disciples for being afraid and not having the same faith that he has. And this is how I have heard these questions for years. But this week, after deeper reflection, I have been hearing it differently. I picture Jesus, after stilling the storm, turning to his frightened disciple and saying, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? From what I know about Jesus, he's filled with love and compassion. He has witnessed the faith of his disciples growing as they have seen him healing all types of people and teaching to crowds through parables. So the word that stands out in Jesus' second question is the word still. Have you still no faith? Or using another translation, have you no faith yet? Think back for a moment to the verses that immediately precede this story, which we heard last week. Mark has just explained the use of parables, saying he did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. Jesus might have expected any of the, his other followers to be afraid, but these are his disciples. They are in his inner circle. They have been with him day and night, and they've watched him go off to pray by himself, and they've witnessed him healing and teaching. And he's explained to them what these parables mean in private. So we can understand why Jesus is perplexed as to why the disciples don't trust him enough to know that he will not let them perish. In the wisdom of Frederick Buechner, don't start looking in the Bible for the answers it gives. Start by listening for the questions it asks. There are many good questions offered in our text today, and each one of them invites us to be honest with ourselves. How often do we cry out to God saying, don't you care? Some good self-reflective follow-up questions might be, what's going on in our life when we most find ourselves asking this question? And what can this teach us about ourselves? 
And when we're afraid, it can be really good to ask ourselves why we are afraid. Naming our fear can be beneficial because while there are times when the answers are obvious, other times the source of the fear isn't revealed until we make space for that deeper reflection. When we take time to ask ourselves, ask ourselves, have we still no faith? A good place to begin is with our understanding of the word faith in this question. Are we thinking of faith as a noun, like a destination that can be reached? Or as a verb, like a journey which is always active and involved, evolving? Mark wants us to have the faith of others in his gospel, such as the friends of the paralytic man who remove part of a roof so they can lower their friends into Jesus' presence. Or the hemorrhaging woman who is healed simply by touching the hem of Jesus' cloak. Mark wants us to trust in Jesus before he heals. Mark wants us to trust in Jesus before he stills the storm. Mark wants us to have faith that precedes Jesus' miracles. When we have faith in Jesus prior to the storms of life, then we're able to discover the deep calm within us, even as the storms swirl around us. You see, miracles do not produce faith. Faith produces miracles. But let me be clear about something. This does not mean that only those with faith will be healed, but rather that faith does offer us the ability to recognize all types of miracles in our lives. I'm not saying that you or your loved one will experience whatever healing you need if only you have enough faith. In fact, I consider that to be one of the most hurtful beliefs or teachings. We do not, we all know people of deep faith who struggle from depression, who have cancer, who suffer from severe illness. The fact that they do not experience physical healing is not a reflection on their faith. Storms will come and trust in Jesus will not bring physical healing, but that same trust will allow us to recognize the peace and the presence of Christ within us, even as the storms swirl violently. And this faith will ultimately bring the complete eternal healing promised through the waters of baptism. We have the privilege of bringing all we already know with us as the lens through which we read the scriptures. But the disciples aren't privy to that whole story yet. They are still trying to understand who this Jesus of Nazareth is and what he has authority over. They already know that he can 
heal people, which means he has authority over humanity. But this is the first miracle in Mark where Jesus demonstrates authority over the natural world. This context, this context helps us to better understand why the disciples are filled with great awe and say to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Parables are about God, not about us. We talked about that last week. And miracles point to Jesus rather to those healed or the things calmed. The focus of today's passage isn't the storm or even that Jesus stilled it. The emphasis is on how Jesus is able to perform the miracle. The heart of this story is that he demonstrates authority over natural forces, which reveals further revelation on Jesus' identity. The extraordinary questions that we need to be asking ourselves from this story is who is this Jesus? And what does this miracle teach us about where his authority comes? Jesus does not abandon his disciples once they arrive safely on the shore following this great storm. As always, Jesus offers grace upon grace. The disciples, including each one of us, will fall short of fully trusting Jesus time and time again. And Jesus will respond each time with a compassionate, have you still no faith? Jesus may not be teaching through a parable today, but we do learn that the kingdom of God draws near each time we have eyes to recognize that even when the storms of life are not stilled, Jesus is in the boat with us. Christ is always with us. So yes, Jesus cares about the disciples. And they know this deep within because they continue to get into boats with Jesus even after their terrifying experience on the sea. God doesn't promise our journey of faith will be an easy one. We will experience storms that seem endless. But we, when we embrace our faith, we recognize that Christ's presence is right there in the midst of it. The peace of Christ does not come from an external source, but from within. The great calm we seek, no matter how intense the storm, can only come from the extraordinary love of Christ within us. The divine mark placed upon each of us. It is always there. We just need to have eyes and ears and hearts and minds to recognize it each day. So may we be open to God working through ordinary questions to reveal 
the extraordinary gift of being marked by Christ's love. Thanks be to God. Amen.